Thank you very much, Edwin. Good morning, everybody. You see, I have a special friend to find the button for me and press it. The first big decision this morning was, is the wire going inside the shirt or outside the shirt? I bottled out the battle with shirt tails and went for outside. Is that too much information? <laughs> I said to Alan earlier, life was simpler when apple and blackberry were just fruits. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Uh, you may have gathered from uh, the worship this morning that we might be heading in this direction. And if so, you were, you were right. In 1863, a Shropshire clergyman went to serve the Lord in India and died there at the age of 42. Before he left Shropshire, he gave us a hymn that we still treasure today. And that hymn was, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning, our songs shall rise to thee. And the lines later on, only thou art holy. There is none beside thee, perfect, in power, in love, in purity. For me, the holiness of God is indeed awe-inspiring. I find it wonderful and captivating at the same time. And I want to try to convey something of that to you this morning. Standing on the freedom side of the Red Sea, Moses gave us a song, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, doing wonders. There's a glory in his creative power. There is a glory in his sovereignty. There is a glory in his eternity of being. But the center of his glory is his holiness. When we look into the unseen realm, it is God's holiness, which is the central inspiration for worship. Uh, Edward read to us at the beginning of this morning Isaiah's vision. High and exalted, seated on a throne, above him the seraphim, calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. First the holiness, then the glory. In the New Testament, a man on an island had an experience. His name was John, Revelation 4. I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven, someone sitting on it. 
then he too sees an exalted rank of angelic beings immediately surrounding the throne, leading the worship of the entire angel hosts. Verse 10, day and night they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That was 800 years after Isaiah. The Revelation chapter, uh, actually what it's about, heaven is celebrating the God of creation. But the central theme of their worship is his holiness. God is not ruled by some external or abstract concept of holiness. He himself is the gold standard. His holiness is inherent and it's unique. Holiness anywhere else in heaven or on earth can only ever flow from what God reveals of himself and imparts. So let's begin with a question. We're going to ask four questions this morning. Thank you. And the first is, how do we relate to the holiness of God? How do we relate to it? What does it mean to us in our daily lives? Is it something we tend to feel distant from? Or, dare I say it, does it draw us in to his presence? In perhaps the most poignant of all Jesus' recorded prayers, John 17 I'm thinking of, the night before the cross, we hear him looking up to heaven and saying, Holy Father. It is an intimate moment between Father and Son. As Jesus expresses his appreciation of his Father's holiness in those shared moments approaching his sacrifice. The same Jesus said something even more wonderful after the cross. John 20 verse 14, go to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my father and your father to my God and your God. He was inviting us into the same relationship. So you and I, as God's people, can lift our eyes to heaven and say, Holy Father. Those two words stand in the most wonderful juxtaposition. All and intimacy come together. Holy Father. In 1 Samuel 2, we find Hannah praising God. She begins, My heart rejoices in the Lord. I delight in your deliverance. Then she goes on to say, There is no one holy like the Lord. 
Why did she say that just then? I'll tell you why she said that. She just had a baby in answer to prayer. And she was over the moon. And her appreciation of God's holiness, whatever it meant to her, came out of real life. Fast forward a few centuries to Mary. She'd been told some remarkable things by Gabriel. She believes the promise. And off she goes to share it with Elizabeth because she has just got to tell somebody. And then we hear Mary praising God and prophesying. Luke 2, 46. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And then we get it. Holy is his name. Both of these women felt a connection between their life experience and the holiness of God. It meant something wonderful and relevant to them. Not something distant and far away. And I believe God's heart is not that we should kind of live in retreat from his holiness. But that we should allow the Holy Spirit to draw us in. That's what I want to try to convey this morning. Thank you. How do we relate to the holiness of God? Brings us to our second question. How do we understand the holiness of God. First of all, thank you, we're going to look at how the idea of holiness developed in the Old and New Testaments. Are you all right for about five minutes? We're going to do a bit of work for five minutes. Is that all right? Do we have a deal? Good. The Hebrew word comes from the root, which means separation. Separation. So the original idea of holiness was about being separated from something to something or to someone. So in the Old Testament era, you could have holy things. You could have holy places. You could have holy days. Whatever was holy was set apart from common use and dedicated to God's service. So the old Sabbath day was holy. Mount Sinai was holy. You weren't allowed to go near it or even touch it. Things associated with the priestly ritual were holy, like plates, dishes, garments, anointing oil, the holy place itself, 15 feet square, the holy place. Priests were to distinguish between the holy and the common. Then the people of Israel as a whole were called a holy nation. They were set apart from the rest of the nations to the Lord. 
similarly the land. So that was the kind of basic idea. But even in the Old Testament, holiness came to mean so much more than that. Because in Israel's relationship with God, are we still together? In Israel's relationship with God, there was an unfolding revelation of God's character. And with it came his call to a moral and an ethical response. So the concept of holiness advances alongside the progressive revelation of God. That's the direction of travel as we go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. From the outside to the inside. From ceremonial to reality. From conformity to heart. David saw something in Psalm 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you didn't desire. The ritual and all of that never was what you really wanted. And then he goes on to say, My ears you have opened. Then I said, Here I am. It's me you want. It's me you want. Here I am. I desire to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is internal. It's within my heart. So even in the Old Testament, holiness wasn't just about being separate, but about developing the character expressed in the moral law. One more thing. Leviticus 19 takes us farther still. Verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And those words lift the whole concept of holiness to a new level. Their eyes are focused on God himself the Holy One, who was to be their example. The seeds of a deeper understanding were being sown. Three quick things, and then we will look directly at the holiness of God. Three quick things to take from it. First, for us, ritual has been fulfilled and superseded in Christ. All of that side of it belongs to a different era. Colossians 2.16, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things to come. The reality is found in Christ. Ritual has gone and with it the paraphernalia. They belong in a different time warp. We worship by the Spirit of God, Paul said simply. Two, 
In the New Testament, separation is from sin and from the spirit of the world, not from people or places. I wish I'd been taught that growing up in an evangelical church. I was taught the opposite. It's about light that is stronger than darkness. It's God in the ordinary. It's a holy people living in intimate relationship with a holy God sent into an unholy world to share the Father's love. Sally Kitchener, an Anglican chaplain, you may have seen her on BBC Breakfast from time to time. She said, I've gone on a journey through my life from believing that holiness is separateness to believing that holiness is about being sacred with others in the mess of society. Thirdly, holiness is entirely positive. Do you know what I feel? I feel that religion has so often portrayed holiness in negative terms. Don't you? Whether as an ascetic lifestyle withdrawn from the real world, or sometimes as a one-dimensional thundering God, or as a list of do's and don'ts, mostly don'ts to be honest. When I look at Scripture, I find that true holiness sits perfectly with heaven's invitation to a party in the Father's house. And to the sheer joy of being free to live God's way in God's world. Okay, so to our central question. The holiness of God. God's holiness does embrace his transcendence, his otherness. He is apart from all the gods of the nations. Who is like you? But the essence of his holiness is the glory of his character. His moral perfection. It's the glory of who he is. Lord, help me. I want to paint a picture here. The definition that helped me most came from a Scottish theologian, 20th century. And he draws on 1 John 1. It's a well-known verse. We know what 1 John 4 says, God is love. 1 John 1 says, God is light. Light. Commenting on those words, Finlayson said this, God's holiness is, quote, the outshining of all that he is. As the sun's rays, combining all the colors of the spectrum, come together in the sun's shining and blend into light. 
so in his self-manifestation all the attributes of God come together and blend into holiness. When I read that, I felt like I'd arrived at home in understanding. The holiness of God is not about what he isn't or what he doesn't do or who he won't come near. It's about who he is and what he does do. It's the outshining, the outflowing of a God who is perfect in power, in love, in purity. Like the colors of the spectrum, his love, his mercy, his truth, his grace, his compassion, his justice, his goodness, his patience, his kindness, all come together in the perfect beauty of his holiness, the outshining of all that he is. Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory? Hannah's God, Mary's God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, is indeed unique. John Oswald commenting on Isaiah 5, 16, said, The Hebrews discovered that what was truly unique to the God who had revealed himself to them as the only God was his moral nature. That's what's unique about God, his moral nature. I think David came to understand that too. Psalm 27, verse 4. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One translation puts it, delighting in the Lord's perfections. Delighting in the Lord's perfections. Meditating in his temple. Brothers and sisters, there is the heart of worship. There's the heart of worship. All that God does flows from who he is. The cross came from the heart of God, not in spite of his holiness, but because of it. Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, doing wonders. So how do we bring all this home? Because if you're anything like me, you're thinking, somehow God's holiness has to come nearer if I am to take it in. Do you feel like that? I do let alone reach out toward it. <laughs> the stunning truth is, of course, it has. It has. Because the awesome holiness of God, no less, 
has actually been seen in a human life. Whether or not the people around him knew what was happening, the powers of darkness were onto it in a flash. On an ordinary day, in an ordinary synagogue, in an ordinary town, Jesus turned up. Mark 1.24. His presence immediately flushed out the darkness. And a demon shouts out, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Ultimate holiness had come near. John tells us it was within touching distance. Within touching distance. After Pentecost, Peter told the Jews in Jerusalem, you denied the Holy One. Paul Phil reminded us a few Sundays ago, Paul said, it was the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we can ask our third question. What does holiness look like? What does holiness look like? Holiness is being like the Jesus who attracted children like bees round a honeypot. Because there was a lightness, a warmth, a guileless simplicity which they found irresistible. Holiness is being like the Jesus who reached out and touched the untouchables. Who could sit at table in the company of weary prostitutes and bent tax collectors, himself untainted and yet remarkably attractive to them all. Holiness is being like the Jesus who wept with the suffering and walked miles to help. Holiness is being like the Jesus who slipped away often to be alone with his Father because God was the center of his life. But equally, equally, holiness is being like the Jesus who celebrated life who appreciated the company of friends, especially sharing a meal with them. When he made wine, it was the best wine. Holiness is being like the Jesus who so hated the oppression of the weak and the pride of the self-righteous that his eyes flashed with anger in the synagogue. Holiness is being like the Jesus who when he was dumped on didn't retaliate. 
who had a hundred reasons to turn sour and kept sweet. Holiness is being like the Jesus who was offered the world for one act of compromise and didn't give way. He suffered being tempted, but he held true. And there, in that beautiful life, was the glory of God for all to see in the face of Jesus Christ. And do you know what we discover? We discover that God is exactly like Jesus. Will you lay hold of that? God is exactly like Jesus. He has to be if Jesus is the exact representation of God. Hebrews 1. Holiness has come near. Our final question. Oh, we're doing well. I'm referring to time there, you understand. <laughs> Holiness. Impossible dream or God's will for my life? Do we come, have we come to think of holiness as someone else's dream? Someone else's dream? Or are we responding with faith and expectancy to God's call on our lives? Hebrews 12 tells us that all God's loving dealings with us, sometimes in discipline, are so that, quote, are you ready for this? we may share in his holiness. Isn't that amazing? God is looking to draw us in so that we might actually share in his holiness. That's amazing to me. It is God's heart for us. It's his purpose for our lives. That's why Peter quotes Leviticus 19 in his first letter, chapter 1, 15. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy. So how can we respond? Thank you. We begin with the blood of Christ. Where else, where else could we begin? Colossians 1.12 says, Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. A God who is light 
rules over a kingdom of light. We are qualified. Verse 20, Paul says it's all through the blood. We are qualified by the blood of Jesus to live in the light. What Jesus offered to God at the cross was the perfect reflection of God's holiness, but now in a human life. That's what he offered to God. And he did that on your behalf. And God accepted it on your behalf. Will you lay hold of that? The Hebrew writer, Hebrews 10.10, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We have been set apart to God in Christ, in Christ, through the sacrifice. In verse 14 of Hebrews 10, the writer brings together our status in Christ and the work in process day by day. He says, for by one sacrifice he has made, you ready for this one too, he has made perfect forever. Did you, shall I read that again? For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever. That's who we are in Christ. Ask Justin Welby. He knows about that. He told the world last week. By one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's the work in progress. When God looks at me in Jesus, he sees the results of the cross, the results of the blood of Jesus. We begin with the blood of Christ. We continue with the grace of God. We live in an ocean of grace. Psalm 130, verse 3. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Nothing is beyond his forgiveness and his cleansing. Nothing. Can I say that again? Nothing is beyond his forgiveness and cleansing. Thirdly, we rely on the Holy Spirit. Do you remember how he's described in Romans 1.4? He is the spirit of holiness. Imagine that. The very spirit of holiness lives within us. The very spirit of holiness. That's amazing too, isn't it? That's why Paul says it's the Spirit's work to transform us 
from one degree of glory to another. Elsewhere, Paul paints a picture of what holiness looks like in the church. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Holiness is God in the ordinary. It's God, the Spirit at work in our lives and relationships. Finally, we will reach the goal. Because God is faithful. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 May God himself, the God of peace, notice that. Not the God of striving. Not the God of stress. The God of peace. Make you holy through and through. What a prayer. What a prayer. What a call for us to respond to with faith and expectancy. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He will do it. Jesus said something wonderful in Luke 11, verse 36. He said this. If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, your whole life will be radiant. Oh, my, my, my. No dark corners. Hmm. <laughs> See, if, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and we know there's a dark corner and God lovingly invites us to bring the dark corners into the light so that he can create change. Change is something God can create where there seems to be no hope. I've all but done. I love how Paul puts it. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Can, can you hear Paul? Do you think we could work toward it? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Do you think we could work toward it? Let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. That's not the fear that holds terror. It's what I call a healthy regard for God's holiness that enables me to treasure grace but not to trade on it, either consciously or subconsciously. And we can do that, can't we?
enables me to treasure grace, but not to trade on it. Let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. We stand in reverent awe of the one we love. And the last one. I'll be sitting, I'll be sat down in a minute and a half. I do like to encourage people, you know. When Moses encountered God at the burning bush, came face to face with his holiness. Do you know what happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Faith was born and God got his will done. That's what happened. When Moses left Egypt the first time after he killed an Egyptian, he ran for his life. But Hebrews tells us, 40 years later, after the burning bush, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Around about two million Israelites left Egypt because they could see Moses at the front. But Moses left Egypt because he could see God. Faith was born at the burning bush. Holiness is entirely positive. And God got his will done. I conclude with one verse of a song. It's a Surinoli song from around about 2004, something like that. Some of you will know it. To your majesty and your beauty, I surrender. To your holiness and your love, I surrender. For you are an awesome God who is mighty. You deserve my deepest praise. With all my heart, with all my life, I surrender. The Lord help us. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. There was uh, so much in there for us. So many different things. Let's, let's reflect on that. Uh, for the Lord speaks to draw us close to him. As Tony phrased it, to, he's within our grasp. He's drawn close.